I'm ready to preach. You ready to receive? We've been in a series that's entitled Hearing from Heaven. Hearing from Heaven. Recognizing and following the voice of God. Did you know that throughout history that God has been speaking? Throughout history he's been speaking. Even before the creation of man, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit were speaking to one another. For millennia, God has forged his children's faith by promising parted waters, empowering unlikely leaders, declaring world-changing prophecies, and guiding companies of people like us who desire to impact their community. In short, God is a communicating God. It is his nature to have communion. It is his nature to be intimate, not distant. God always has been and always will be a communicating God. And God desires us to learn how to hear from heaven. So today, we want to pick up where we left off last week. And we're not going to review the entire series, but last week uh, we spoke about five ways that God speaks. And we got through uh, four of them, and we have one more to add today. Kind of one of the theme scriptures we've used throughout the series is simply this. John chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus said, my sheep listen, hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. If you are one of God's born-again children, if you are one of the sheep of his flock, you have an innate inherent ability and capacity to hear him. may not be developed, may not be fully uh, uh, um, mastered by any means, but there's something on the inside of you that will give you the ability to recognize and to listen to his voice. The five ways that, we've, uh, that we're covering, and we've already dealt with these four. Number one, God speaks to us today through the written word. And we've already established the fact that everything, every other means of God's communication has to be vetted and confirmed by the written word. Number two, God speaks to us through the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. There's a scripture in Acts chapter 15, one of the most important historical watershed moments for the early church. In Acts chapter 15, at the conclusion of a big meeting of a bunch of leaders, they said this, and it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. It seemed good. What that means is there was a, a sense, an inward sense, uh, a, a resonance with it. Then there's the voice of the Holy Spirit. That God actually through our inner man, but the voice of the Holy Spirit, not an audible voice, not some thunder from heaven, but an inward voice on the inside of us, the Holy Spirit, joined with our recreated human spirit, can speak to you. Audible, not audible, but articulate. Words, messages, directions. And then fourthly, we said, uh, we also need to remember that wise counsel is one way that God speaks to us. He speaks to us through other people. And a variety of counselors, but there is balance, there is wisdom in, in counsel, Proverbs 15, 22, plans fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. So if you have a plan, uh, don't press too far in your plan without making sure that you hear God through good, wise counsel. 
The fifth way that we want to deal with a little bit more today, we just introduced it last Sunday, and then we'll shift to kind of a new section. We'll see how far we get today. This is number five, which I simply categorized as extraordinary manifestations. How many you know we have an extraordinary God? You know that the Holy Spirit does things that are supernatural. He'll even do things that make you go, huh? Have you ever noticed that? If, you, if you've yet to have one of those, just hang around for a while. All right, you'll get one. That cause you to go, whoa, what was that? And uh, these extraordinary manifestations, these are special forms of God speaking. And I've just, there's, there's more than this probably, but I just put in three areas. First of all, our angelic visitations. Secondly, our dreams and visions. And thirdly, our prophetic messages. Let me just briefly explain those and see if I can illustrate it with Scripture. First of all, angelic, um, angel, angelic visitations. I gave some Scriptures. We looked at some of these last week. Acts 8.26, uh, Acts 10.3. Uh, these are messages, for example, in Acts 8 is when the, the, an angel came to Philip and spoke to him. Uh, we know that in Acts chapter 12, we talked about this one last week, when Peter is in prison and the angel comes and leads him out of prison, telling him every step of the way what to do. What are, what are these? Notice that I've tried to choose mostly New Testament support for this so that you can't just dismiss it and say, oh, God, that was the God of the Old Testament. He doesn't do that kind of stuff today. Oh, no, he, he would. Now, I've never had an angelic visitation. I've asked for one a few times, never gotten it. But anyway, uh, there... I think we have to acknowledge that it's biblical. Can you agree with that? It is biblical. Interestingly enough, a lot of times the angelic visitations are seen in a vision or a dream. If you look at all the angelic visitations, many times they're in a they are having a vision and they see they they envision an angel that's communicating a message. So that may be helpful to keep in mind. Dreams and visions. Did you know that God speaks through dreams and visions? The Old Testament, one of the prophets said that in the last days, people are going to be dreaming dreams and having visions. Uh, of, uh, we don't want to go into dig- too much digression here of the difference between a vision and a dream. But in a vision, you're not asleep. Just keep it that way, all right? A dream, you're asleep, all right? In a vision, you're seeing something um, uh, in the spirit sometimes, and sometimes it's more profound than that. But that's the difference between a vision and a dream. Let me just give you a couple examples of visions and dreams. Acts chapter 10, verse 3. It says, one day about 3 in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said he had a vision. So see, he had a vision and the angelic visitation came through the vision. In Acts chapter 9, the scripture says, in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. This is when Saul had come to Christ on the Damascus Road. And he shows up in, uh, uh, there in the city where, where people were freaking out because this murderer, this uh, torturer, this terrorist, Saul of Tarsus, was coming to town. And when he came to town, of course, God knocked him off of his donkey, knocked him to the ground, and uh, he goes uh, and, and he's camped out there in Damascus. And the Bible simply says that there was a disciple, simply a church member there in the church. We never, ever hear about him again. He's what I just call your average Joe. Okay? He's average Ananias. 
But the, spirit, the scripture says in verse 10, the Lord called to him in a vision. So he has this vision, and the Lord speaks to him in the vision and says, I've got a job for you to do. Saul is over here in this hotel at this address, and I need for you to go and pray for him. How many of you would hesitate? <laughs> and I said, say that again. Or he may have said, I rebuke you, devil. That can't be God. I don't know what he did. But anyway, he, he hesitated, and then God got a little stronger. But he said, this is what you need to do. Listen, I've called. This man is a chosen instrument of mine. Now you go, and you pray over him. And when he got there, the Lord told him exactly what to do. He went, and he found Saul. Saul was blind over in the corner. And he goes, and he lays hands on him. Saul is healed. Scales fall off his eyes. His eyes, his eyes opened up. Then he prayed for him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered to fulfill his call. All of that because of this. Average Ananias heard from heaven through a vision. Do you think if those kinds of things happened in New Testament days, do you think they still happen today? Yeah. More than we give it credit to. Not every vision and dream you have is from God. Sometimes you just had the wrong dinner. All right? But we need to understand and embrace the fact that God can speak through vision and dream. Acts chapter 16, verse 9, the Bible says, During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over here to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, he immediately got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, knowing that God had called him to preach the gospel to them. You know what I like about that story? Paul's instant obedience. He didn't wrestle with, I don't know whether God really speaks through me. He saw it, he knew that God was giving him a message, and he immediately packed up and headed for Macedonia. Wow, what an important uh, means that God has to speak to us. Um, I remember back quite a number of years ago uh, when I still lived in Texas. This had to be back in the, the late 1980s. Um, there was a church that I had a relationship with in a city called Jacksonville, Texas, over uh, in the east part of the state. And uh, I'd make two or three times a year, they'd want me to come and minister. And so I was on the way driving over to that area. It was about, probably about a four-hour drive for me. And so uh, I was driving to Jacksonville. And on the drive, while I'm driving, I have a vision. Now, that can be dangerous, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> uh, while I was driving, I had a vision. And I saw in the Spirit, I saw tornado like it was barreling down crisscrossing the land and then i saw literally i saw like like up above on like a map uh like a you know satellite version of google maps you know and i was watching that tornado and i, I realized it was headed directly for jacksonville and i saw it i didn't see it hit jacksonville but i saw it coming weaving its way, but that was the target. And I immediately just said, Lord, you've got to help me understand this vision. What, what, what's happening here? And uh, the Lord said, this is twofold. This is physical and spiritual. 
And he said, when you get to Jacksonville, warn your, your friend, the pastor, and warn that church about what's coming. There will be a tornado coming, a physical one, and there will be a spiritual tornado that intends to destroy the church. So I'm kind of shook up, you know, by that, but I'm like wrestling with it. But whenever I got there and I met with a pastor and I said, I really have something, I, I, I think I had a prophetic vision. And he said, just share it, brother, share it with the So I, I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah, just put me out there, you know. And uh, so I did. And I'm thinking, all right, I may never be invited back here again, you know. And I said, I don't know when it's coming. I don't know. But I'm just telling you what I felt like I had in the vision. I te told them. And uh, I said, beware of the spiritual version of this tornado. Because it's designed to rip up your church. And um, do you know, it was only a few months later uh, that I noticed in the news that there was a lot of, you know, tornadoes aren't new to Texas, by the way. But anyway, uh, there was a tornadoes popping up all over and I got a call from my friend the pastor he said brother did you hear what happened in Jacksonville I went no he said a tornado was coming towards Jacksonville he said because of what you, the warning you'd already given to us a bunch of us met over at the church we stood around the church and we we're just literally speaking and declaring, taking authority over the tornado, commanding it to not come at the church and to actually go around the city. And they said it came right up to the edge of the city, and then it's all of a sudden like it took a left turn, and it went around the town, and then it continued off and never did any real major damage to the town of Jacksonville. About another year later, there was a spiritual storm. And uh, unfortunately, the results of that were not quite as good as the first one. And there were many in the church that were very negatively um, uh, involved in, you know, a divisive thing that really hurt the church and split it. And I'm not real sure that the church ever recovered from that, to be honest with you. Um, the point that I'm making is just that God can speak through visions and dreams. That was a warning, and a lot of visions are just to encourage but that one was a warning, and, uh, and it happened, just like the Lord said. So there's many scriptures. I could give you many others. Last form of extraordinary manifestations I'll mention is just general prophetic messages. Let me explain what I mean by this. A prophetic message is a message inspired by the Holy Spirit through another party. So in other words, it's not coming to you. Uh, so in other words, it's not something the Holy Spirit's just speaking to David about, but uh, someone uh, speaks something from the Holy Spirit and shares that with David. And there are protocols for those kinds of things, by the way. But, but God can speak to someone through, some, through another person, uh, through a gift of prophecy, or even through someone who has more of a prophetic calling. We see that in Scripture in Acts chapter 21. Agabus, the Bible says, was a prophet. Prophets are people who are called by God with a special gift. They see what God is doing, they hear what God is saying, and they convey it and communicate it to, to a group or an individual or a community or a nation. I have a very close friend of mine now passed away from, from uh, Cali, Colombia, and he was a prophet. So much so that, that God used him to do some magnificent things in the nation of Colombia. So much so that the president of Colombia 
who's a Christian at that time, heard of Randy and he said, uh, could you come and visit me? So from that visit on, he regularly had Randy, who was a prophet, really had a prophet gift, come and regularly share what he was hearing from God for the nation. Can you imagine that? Um, it's valid. It's biblical. It's for real. It is an extraordinary manifestation, but it is for real. So I want to make sure you had a, a sense for the different ways that God speaks to us. What I would just add to that is one thing. I would warn you about an over-reliance on extraordinary manifestations. Some people get so infatuated by, oh, that's cool, you know, and, and they ignore the other ways that are more primary ways that God wants to communicate and speak to us, and they're sitting around waiting on something that's, ooh. And uh, I would just warn you about an over-reliance on extraordinary manifestations, although they are genuine and they are for real. All right? All right, let's shift. We want to talk about results of hearing from heaven, and I won't get through all of these, but we'll get started today. What are the why should we hear from heaven? What are the results of truly hearing God's voice? So let me give you several. Number one is communion. Communion or intimate communication. Did you know that God's original purpose as the creator was to create man to have intimate communion. And God did that. He had intimate communion with Adam and Eve as the creator. And we see, as I said, from the beginning of time, we see God is a communicating God. He spoke, the scripture tells us, uh, that he spoke in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8. He spoke with Adam and Eve. He walked with them, talked with them. This was a two-way conversation. God designs our ability to hear so that we can have rich fellowship, interaction, communion with Him. What I'm trying to say is God wants to talk to you. God doesn't just want to hear your petitions. He wants to speak with you. We are to have the kind of, can you imagine, can you imagine dating someone and being engaged and the communication be merely one way? One of the members of that relationship says nothing and the other one is the one that's always talking? Some of you are like, some of you are like, that's, I got pretty close to that right now. now <laughs> seriously, what would happen? It wouldn't go very far, would it? wouldn't go very far because of what? it's not much of a relationship i mean a relationship means i mean real deep relationship it, it's it's the exchange it's the conversations it's back and forth why why do we think that our walk with god should somehow be marked differently most of us fall into trap of praying one way we think prayer is us talking to god I argue that prayer communication is two-way. And we need to understand that through our recreated human spirit, we can commune with God, we can hear Him through the variety of ways that we've already talked about, and the object is God wants to commune with you. He wants to have fellowship with you. He wants it to be deep. He doesn't want it to be superficial. He doesn't want it to be, you know, a five-minute, uh, I heard someone say earlier this week, God's not interested in you just having drive-through prayer times. 
drive-through prayer times. That's what some Christians have. Fast food prayer times. God wants to have intimate communion with you. There's a great scripture that frequently we use in other ways. But in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. May I read it to you? If you have your Bible, you want to turn to it, you may. But let me read it to you. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. This is, by the way, um, written as a part of one of the letters to the churches of uh, Asia Minor. And here's what the scripture says. Here I am. This is a letter from Jesus. All right, this is a letter from Jesus. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears my voice, opens the door, I will come in and one version says, I'll come in and eat with that person. I think the King James says, I will sup with them. The word there, sup, just means to have fellowship over a meal. I'll eat with that person and they with me. Do you see the two of them? I'll have fellowship with them and they with me. Now here's the shocker that surprises a lot of people. This scripture, how do we normally use Revelation 3.20? In evangelism. It's a great scripture for evangelism, but that wasn't the original intent. The original intent of that passage, it was written to who? The church. So get the picture. Here we have Jesus writing a letter to the church, and he says this, Church, I'm knocking. There's something wrong because no one's answering the door. I'm trying to knock. I'm trying to speak with you. He gives his intention. If someone will simply hear my voice. What's the prerequisite for the communion? Hearing. Because fellowship he's talking about here is two-way. If someone will simply... Hear my voice, open that door, then I will come and we're going to share with one another. We're going to have fellowship with one another. We're going to commune with one another. That's my purpose. What do you think we have to do with a scripture like that? I think there's some steps of obedience we need to take. We need to say, Lord, I'm going to open that door. And I'm not even going to require you to knock real loud. I'm going to be ready to open that door because I desire to have that kind of communion with you. God wants to speak to us. And one of the purposes and one of the benefits and results is this kind of communion. The second way that God and result of God speaking to us is direction. Direction and guidance. Did you know that your inner man was designed by God to be a spiritual GPS? A spiritual guidance system that was implanted on the inside of you by God. It was his original intent. Here's how I'm going to guide men. I'm going to guide man through that inner spirit. And that's how I'm going to speak to them. We somehow make this into a... Uh, uh, we, we think that if we could somehow hear God's voice audibly, ooh, you're real spiritual. If you 
You've heard God's voice audibly. Ooh, I wish I could be there. Do you know what the reality is? That's not God's primary plan. In fact, if God has to speak to you audibly, probably not good. Not good. So don't think that that's the object. The object is to train our inner man to hear clearly. He wants to also provide direction for your life. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, God speaks. Literally, it says God spoke to Jonah and told him to go to Nineveh. Like I said, God's always been a communicating God. What was the purpose? To give him direction. And at first, Jonah did real good. Anyway, we won't go into the Jonah story. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, we've already mentioned this scripture. It says that the prophets and teachers got together in the early church in Antioch, the church at Antioch, and it says, and while they were worshiping the Lord, by the way, that's an important context. While they were worshiping the Lord, if you don't have any personal time of worship and praise with the Lord, don't be complaining that you're not here. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, that's taking it up a notch, the Holy Spirit said, is it, could it be more clear than that? The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. This was the the, the sending, this was the note of confirmation from the Holy Spirit. It is now time. They all knew that Saul was getting ready to be sent out. He was sitting on ready. He, he was just waiting on God's green light. This was God's wisdom imparted to by the Holy Spirit. Could have been, could have been an inward voice. It could have been one of the group. I tend to believe it was probably one of the group uh, that was prophesying because they were, it says, prophets and teachers in that group. So I tend to think it probably came through one of those prophets. But he spoke clearly. Let me, you can see the articulate nature of this. Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for what I've called them to do. And then they continued to pray just to get confirmation, and they did it. Acts chapter 16, verse 6 and 7. Scripture makes very clear. This is a great story, and I'll um, share this one in wrap. Uh, the Scripture says, Paul and his companions, Paul always traveled with a team. God does not endorse independent solo ministry very often. It's all about team. We need one another. Amen? Amen. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Watch this. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Messiah, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. This is all about direction. They got direction in Acts 13. It was time to send out Saul and Barnabas. In Acts chapter 16, it worked in the reverse. The Holy Spirit was guarding them from going the wrong direction. They had a plan. They had a strategy. I'm all for strategic planning. But we have to balance strategic planning with spiritual listening. Strategic planning, they had a plan, they had a strategy, they were going. We're going here, we're going to take an Asia, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And when they started going that way, they started going that way, and it says the Holy Spirit said, whoa, hold on. How'd that happen? We don't know the means, but I have had many times the Holy Spirit check me and go, uh-uh. 
Don't turn that way. Yes. Alarms go off, buzzers go off, internal, you know. And it's like God saying, no, not that way. Some of us, we don't listen to it, we do it, and we get in trouble, right? God wants to direct us. He wants to guide us. He wants to give us what we need to be directed in our walk with Him. Amen to that? I remember a time that I was in what is a non-existent nation now, but the old nation of Yugoslavia. Today it's split up into a number of different countries. And it used to have a, uh, now it's been redeemed, but they had a, the capital city was Zagreb. And I was traveling there doing, let's just say, undercover work for Jesus, okay? And uh, so we were trying to get to a location to meet with some of the church leaders to pass some important information and also to give them some, some uh, Bibles and some resources. So that was our assignment. So we had a meeting point already set up. It was an underground church. It was illegal to have a, a church in Yugoslavia at the time. Illegal to do what we were doing. Uh, so we were very carefully, it was a friend of mine traveling with me, and we were driving down the road towards the, the place that we were to go in Zagreb. And while we were driving, I heard that, that voice that I had come to recognize. I heard the voice say, not this direction. Take a different route. That's all I got. So I said to the buddy uh, who was driving, I said, pull over. He said, why? I said, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, don't go this direction. And he said, well, look right here, the map. I mean, this, this is the right. This is the right. I said, I know. I'm just telling you, there's some reason we're not supposed to go. So we took the map, we studied a little bit more, and we decided that an alternate route. We went all the way around, added an hour or so to the trip. Following God is not always convenient, by the way, all right? Went all the way around to the opposite side of the city and came in kind of a back way, and we got to our destination. When we drove up and met, you know, this is days of, you know, there's no mobile phones. I mean, this is like back in the day, all right? So, so we were just basing our meeting point on our original conversation. And um, so we got there, met them, and they're like so shocked. They're like, oh, brothers, we've just been praying. We're so concerned. I said, well, why? He said, well, we didn't know, but the police uh, and the secret police decided to set up special um, uh, roadblock, thank you, uh, a road check coming into the city Anything coming in from the south, they were checking. And uh, they were looking for anything. I mean, it could be drugs or it could be whatever. And um, they said, we just knew that you were coming, and that's the way you come in the city. We just knew you were coming that way, and we just been praying for you because we thought, oh, no, we don't want them to be arrested, and we would have been arrested. Uh, we, they were just praying. And they said, how did you get here? And I told them the story and told them the route that we took. They went, oh, praise you, Jesus. We're so thankful that you heard God, his wisdom, to direct you, and you avoided the arrest. I really believe if we had not, A, heard, B, obeyed, we may have ended up in a Yugoslavian jail. Not a fun place to be assigned. But because we listened, God gave us the direction and what we did, and we were able to fulfill the mission, give them the materials they needed, had great fellowship with this underground church and its leaders, and then went home. You know, God wants to direct your life. 
when this promises we read on the very first week of the series in Isaiah 58, the Lord says, I will guide you continually. That's a promise. But in order to receive that promise, we have to learn to hear from heaven. Next week, I'm going to share with you three, four, and five. Um, these, are w- these are the results of hearing from heaven. And I think you'll agree with me. These are vital, essential aspects of benefiting from hearing God's voice in a variety of ways. And then after that, we'll begin talking about how you know the difference between hearing God's voice and other voices. We'll talk about some safety measures, how to guard yourself from getting deceived. We'll talk about some very practical ways that you can posture yourself to hear better. And, uh, you know, I'd just like to leave you with a challenge today. All right? This sounds like a... Sounds like an assignment, doesn't it? Um, I'd like for you during the course of this week to make a practice to not only pray in your devotional time, but also listen. Just make a practice this week of listening. And one more request. I know some, many of you may not be accustomed to doing this, but if you haven't, try it. I want you, when you're listening, to have piece of paper, uh, have your smartphone, uh, have some kind of journaling mechanism that you can jot down whatever you think you're hearing. All right? That's your homework from now till next Sunday. All right? Spend some time listening as a part of your normal devotional life and then write down anything that you feel you may hear. And you may hear nothing. You may just have a prompting, you may have a sense, you may have nothing, and you may come back next week and report, nothing, that's okay, all right? This is a part of the learning process, all right? Can you stand to your feet? Let me pray with you. How many of you would like to hear better? Mm -hmm. I want to hear better. How many of you would like to have better communion with God? Me too. How many of you would like to know God's direction and open yourself up to that kind of wisdom for directing your life? I am too. I want to pray with you. Here's what I'd like to do. I'm going to pray for us to have our hearing affected. God be working on our hearing. But I also just want to challenge you. If you, your life is not properly related and connected to Jesus Christ, we're not talking about religion here. We're talking about relationship. But if your life is not properly connected and related to Jesus, today I urge you, make a decision to turn it all over to Him. I want to ask our altar ministry workers to come and take their place, and they're going to be available here at the front. If you make that decision today, you need someone to pray with you. Don't just be independent. Make that decision to follow Christ 100%. I sense in my heart that there are a number of people here today who've been wandering, just kind of wandering in the wilderness. It's time to come home. Time to come home to Jesus. Time to make some decisions, some life-altering decisions today. It'll make a huge difference. So I'm going to pray with you, but then I want you to act on that and come and 
let one of these two couples, uh, these teams pray with you. Or maybe there's another need in your life. Maybe you need physical healing. We believe Jesus still heals today. Maybe you need a, some other kind of intervention in your life, some other need. They're available to help pray and agree on that as well. Let me pray for you now. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that... Uh, This is all about us hearing you. Even as we read today, you're knocking. You're knocking. Lord, we want to open the door. So we just choose right now to open up the door of our hearts, our minds, our lives to you. We welcome you into a deeper level of communion and fellowship. We want to hear your voice in the variety of ways that you speak. We want to hear your voice. And Lord, we want to walk just like we read Adam and Eve, walk with you. We want to just walk closely with you, Lord. For those, Lord, who are, have pending decisions to make for you, I pray right now they'd have the courage, the, the determination to take a step of faith turn their lives over afresh to your management, to your lordship. Lord, I pray that today would be their decision day. We pray this all today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Let's give uh, just the solitude that's necessary in this room for those that need prayer.